Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The Bob Seska Show. Bob Seska. I protest. I am not a merry man. The Bob Seska Show. From our nation's capital, it is Tuesday, May 17, 2022, and this is the Bob Seska Show on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. Hi there, I'm Bob. Hello, Bob. Hello, day 484 of the Biden-Harris administration, 172 days until the 22 midterms. I'm on Instagram, the Bob Seska is my handle, and on Twitter at Bob Seska underscore go. You can follow Buzz Burbank at Michael J. Elston on Twitter, link in the description. And speaking of which, he's sitting right over there. Hey there. You said it all. Hi. We got an unusual start Hi. to the show today, don't we? We we do. Hi, Bob. Hi, Hi. Hi everybody. Uh, first of all, thank you, Bob. Uh, and uh, to the, everyone else, I want to say, uh, <laughs> you know, this is the part of the show where I usually reintroduce us nonsensically and then launch into a short monologue. <laughs> uh, no, no, not, don't leave out the part where you talk to an invisible person off mic. Well, that's the nonsensical, yes. Uh, well, not today. <laughs> not, none of that today. Um, although I've been on the road for the last week, I, I've kept up on the news as usual. Yeah. I've written some what we loosely call jokes, uh, but it, it just doesn't feel right to do them today. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. In, t- in today's context, the jokes seem um, lamer than usual. Uh, <laughs> we have rightfully justified making jokes in the darkest moments of these last seven years by yeah. pointing out that they, they help us cope, mm-hmm. uh, that pain begets comedy, yep. and, and that laughter is the best medicine. Uh, and we expect some humorous moments and some laughter over the next hour, but out of respect for the victims of the racist violence of the yes. last few days, we've agreed to skip the usual opening silliness today. Yeah, yeah. And al- although we might not be quite as qualified as others to address the painful realities that we're about to recount, we must try in the hope that our help will help and that it will be appreciated by those who are more qualified. Mm. Uh, thank you all for listening, and Bob and I love you all. Now let's get to work. Yeah. Yeah. Conversations around firearm massacres, like the one in Buffalo at, at the grocery store, 10 people killed. Oftentimes we talk about the shooter, and then the mm-hmm. shooter becomes uh, kind of a backdoor celebrity. Right. And that's sometimes what the shooter wants. And Kyle Rittenhouse, a prime example. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. In this case, I want to make sure right off the top that we mention the names of the dead, the people who were shot by an AR-15, once again, the Sandy Hook weapon. I I would say, what, three out of every four 
of these mass shootings involve an AR-15, the most popular firearm in America? At least, and this one modified to be worse. Yeah. So we won't say the name of the shooter. Uh, right. You know, we, we know that, that information is available, but that's, he's not the important thing. As much as he yeah. wants the recognition, as they all have, mm -hmm. that's why they write the manifestos, that's why they post online, that's why they live stream the killing yeah uh we don't want to focus on that we don't want to give them the satisfaction of that of that uh you know that that f infamy right, um, right. And, and and focus instead on the the very real human nice people lives that were lost mm -hmm. in in this in this latest strategy day of the 13 people who were shot, 11 were black, two were white, four of the victims were store employees. Some of the victims actively worked to serve their community here, according to NPR. Uh, Aaron Salter, age 55, is a former police lieutenant. Ruth Whitfield, age 86, was a beloved wife, mother, grandmother. Uh, Pearly Young, age 77, who ran a, a weekly food pantry. Good God. Catherine Cat yeah. Massey, age 72, was a writer who wrote about gun violence in her community and was part yes, of a community group that helped local residents. Hayward Patterson, age 67, would drive residents to get their groceries and volunteered at his church in his free mm -hmm. time. Celestine Cheney uh, was at the grocery store to get shrimp and strawberry shortcake. Uh, the 65-year-old delighted in her role as a grandmother, most of all. Roberta Drury, uh, age 32, was at the supermarket to get food for dinner. Uh, Margus D. Morrison, age 52, of Buffalo. He was the father of three children, their mother told uh, local TV news. Andre McNeil, age 53, of Auburn, New York. Geraldine Talley, age 62, of Buffalo. Those who were just simply injured, those were all the dead. These are the ones who were simply uh, uh, wounded in the shooting. Zaire Goodman, age 20, of Buffalo. Jennifer Warrington, age 50, of Tonawanda, New York. Christopher Braden, age 55, of Lackawanna, New York. You know, in times like this, going through some of their bios, my God, what a time to lose good people. Good people doing good work for their community. The former law enforcement officer, a security guard at the store who lost his life trying to, and it did in some cases, yeah. save the lives of others. At least a half dozen of the dead uh, were women, uh, mothers, daughters, sisters, mm -hmm. aunts, and... Uh, these were these were as Bob has uh, demonstrated here. These were good people, yeah. Uh, and uh, these lives were snuffed out, and uh, almost as tragic, uh, and, uh, perhaps as tragic, uh, the pain being suffered by the families of these victims and the extended families of the victims that include neighbors and friends and workers at the store. Yeah, and this is not some random shooting that defies reason. Where everyone's going. Why, oh, why did this happen? We know exactly why this happened. And yes, that's one of the reasons that connects this shooting to the word terrorism, which is now being defined by law enforcement, by investigators, as terrorism. And that's exactly what it is. Because I'm glad it's it, classified that way now. Yeah. If you're a member of the black community and you go out in public... It's one of those things where you're constantly looking over. you got to be constantly looking over your shoulder at this point uh, because that's the aim. That's the goal of this kind of attack to strike fear in the hearts of others exactly. who were 
You're not even involved in this particular shooting. Yeah, I think it was the shooter's stated goal to make uh, black Americans feel afraid to go anywhere yeah. now. Yeah. And uh, it won't work. Uh, we've heard this from uh, members of the black community. We've also heard from them that they've been down this road many, many times before mm-hmm. and that they've survived and that they are determined to survive again Yeah. and, yeah. and hopefully thrive uh, despite the growing hate uh, around the world, but particularly right now in the U.S. Yes, and the immediate target, the primary targets, as uh, has happened so many times in our nation's history, uh, black people. But I think the targets aren't going to be strictly limited to black people as time rolls on. I think LGBTQ people are going to be added to that target list. I think uh, women to a certain extent, doctors, Based on the things Again. that we've been hearing coming out of this propaganda factory, this hate factory on Fox News Channel, which we'll get to in a second, the fact is that there's a list now. There's a list of specific targets. You can throw immigrants in there, Latino mm-hmm. immigrants. Uh, uh, Lat- Latinos have been targeted yeah. uh, by these types of killings before as well. This was, of course, a crime against mostly black people. Mm-hmm. But that's not where it ends. It, unless... <laughs> And this is a big unless. Unless Fox News and all of its copycats reach some kind of epiphany and say, we can no longer engage in this kind of language for profit and ratings, unless that happens. And there's really no sign of it ever happening. Not, none whatsoever. Tucker Carlson doubled yeah. down last night. Instead yeah. of backing off, he, he made things actually worse just last night. Yep, yep. This gets into replacement theory and something that Tucker Carlson, mm-hmm. no matter how much he plays the whole who me game, who right. me? I, I, what? Are you kidding me? I don't. I don't talk like that. Well, you know what? The videotape says otherwise. You know, this yep. is. It's not like it hasn't been televised, Tucker. It's been all over your show for years now, and he has got to take responsibility. But of course, he can't uh, expect responsibility from the personal responsibility people, right? They're right. they're going to avoid right. that at all costs. They blame blame other people and anyone but the actual. Uh, uh, disinformation geysers that prompted this uh, shooter to do what he did. They've clearly left the uh, personal responsibility uh, issue uh, behind. It's no longer part of their platform. And so what is great replacement theory? What is that? And can we, can we stop calling it great replacement? Yeah, right, can we just right, call it replacement close. theory? There's <laughs> yeah. nothing great about it. And I, it really has disturbed me to see uh, the press and others refer to it as the great replacement theory. And maybe that's the name of it, but let's change that. Let's stop calling it great. Yeah, yeah. In uh, NPR, uh, the NPR website, the, the write-up about this, they put it in quotes, which uh, right. makes it appropriate, Helps. I think. Yeah. In short, according to NPR, the Great Replacement is a conspiracy theory that states that non-white individuals are being brought into the United States and other Western countries to replace white voters to achieve a political agenda. It is often touted by anti-immigration groups, white supremacists, and others. According to the National Immigration Forum, white supremacists argue that the influx of immigrants, people of color more specifically, will lead to the extinction of the white race. And then according to the Anti-Defamation League, white supremacists blame Jewish people for non-white immigration to the United States, and the replacement theory is now associated with anti-Semitism. And we go back Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. Charlottesville buzz with uh, 
the Jews will not replace us. And I th- what I think are the simplest terms, Republicans are accusing Democrats of trying to stock the voter rolls with immigrants and minorities yeah. so that the voice of the white man will be minimalized uh, mm-hmm. in, in the future and uh, virtually non-existent or replaced, as the theory suggests. Yeah. This is not a new theory. It's been around for decades. Uh, it's uh, not exclusive to this country, but it uh, seems to be at its worst here. Yeah. Uh, interesting, just uh, we'll talk about COVID later, but mm-hmm. a, an interesting observation this morning about Australia where uh, they've had one-tenth of the deaths uh, per capita yeah. than we've had in the United States. And the stated reason, the studied and determined reason for that is uh, because Australians have more faith in their government and more faith in their fellow citizens mm-hmm. than we do in the United States. And isn't that really the problem uh, uh, through all of these topics right now. Yeah. It, this is we, What we're seeing now in the U.S. and around the world, but particularly the U.S., hasn't been this bad since the 1940s. And mm-hmm. please remember that America First is from a previous world war in which Americans didn't want to get involved. They wanted America put first. Why should we help yeah. what's going on in Europe uh, when we should be focusing on what's going on here? Well, the truth is if uh, world democracy collapses, American democracy can't be far behind and at this point maybe leading that march yeah well let's be clear about america first america first is about white america first exactly. <laughs> donald trump doesn't care about any other group his disciples don't care about any other group to me when i hear america first from the the trump supporters and from trump himself i'm not hearing just like oh let's let's make this concept of america really really great again but no it's it's about we're gonna lift up white people over the brown masses once again and and reassert our supremacy over them. That's what we want to do. And we're going to pass laws along those lines that disenfranchise black people through this great lie about the 2020 election. And we're going to uh, engage in terrorist attacks like this. We're going to engage in terrorist attacks, insurrections like we saw on January 6th. And we all kind of thought we were done with it, right? In the context of LGBTQ. You thought, well, when Donald Trump at the convention in... uh, I forget it was a 2016 or 2020 convention reaching out to LGBTQ citizens. That's yeah, all erased. Time, you know, it was a, yeah. yeah, it was an idle uh, pander to gay people that has now been entirely erased. Uh, and, when yeah, yeah, when he saw his, when he saw the red hat uh, reaction to uh-huh. that proposal, he he backed off of that point. Oh, yeah. of course, of course. So, in terms of Tucker Carlson's responsibility for all of this and you gotta ask you gotta ask the question on some level as a human being does this at all get to tucker car i mean whatever teeny tiny speck of conscience that he may still possess does this at all tweak that does this at all get him to go at least personally go no you know maybe i should ease back but no i don't think so (laughs) it it doesn't and and before we go on to tucker and the other people who are propagandizing this uh, replacement theory yeah uh, i want to share a quote from seth myers last night who i thought said it very well when he said no one's being replaced Mm -hmm. there's no capacity limit here it's not like there's a bouncer who only lets in two when to leave. 
Yeah. You know, there, there, <laughs> exactly it, it, right. it, it isn't that I think that helps point out how silly replacement theory is. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, as you mentioned, Tucker Carlson is not the only guy uh, who's who's been spreading this. I was sort of starting a list on social media this morning and I said your top four current replacement theory propagandists are Elise Stefanik, Tucker Carlson, Laura Ingram and Ann Coulter. Uh, I said, feel free to add to this list. I myself added we can add Newt Gingrich, Matt Gates and Donald Trump to the list. Mm-hmm. Others were suggested as well. AM Talk Radio was added to the list. Uh, there are a lot of very loud, very prominent voices now. Uh, this is the Republican Party. I, I, I want people to understand that that the Republican Party is Marjorie Three Toes. The Republican Party mm-hmm. is Lauren Boebert. Yeah. Uh, this is the Republican Party. Elise Stefanik, uh, uh, Matt Gates. That is your Republican Party now. Do you, mm-hmm. Is that what you really want? I don't think so. Is that what anybody really wants? I don't think so. No. And I, I would I would remind you that we're not going to change any mind. I don't think we're going to change many minds on on the right. And I, I think it's time to stop trying. What we have to focus on as we come up on this crucial election and the one that follows it. Yeah. And I do mean crucial. Uh, is is to uh, get off the couch our Democratic friends and our independent friends mm-hmm. and help them understand. I, I also want to mention, if I may, that uh, I also tweeted this week about how uh, the assault on women's rights and the assault on humans with guns uh, is has been motivating Democratic voters. Mm-hmm. I, I saw a survey that shows that uh, among voters uh, there is... Uh, uh, that that now uh, abortion rights have matched inflation. Yes. I never thought I'd see this. Yep. Have matched inflation as the top concern of American voters. Uh, and that's everybody. That's not just Democrats mm-hmm. that we're talking about here. Yep. This is a valuable tool that we must pick up and run with. This violence that we've seen is a valuable tool, uh, as tragic as it is, that we must pick up and run with if we expect to crush replacement theory and those who espouse it. Yeah, and in terms of that, in terms of the paranoia about what's happening demographically in the United States, the fact remains that, yes, there are cynical people in, you know, and let's face facts, I don't like playing the both sides thing, but there are cynical people who have a say in both political parties. And there is certainly on the Republican side a need to win over the growing Latino vote. There is, uh, there should. has been outreach along those lines. You can go back to we George should. W. Yeah. Bush speaking in Spanish, which he was pretty fluent at doing, credit where mm-hmm. credit is due, where he was reaching out to Latino voters and was able to win over quite a few of them. The Democratic Party steps in too. The Republicans retreat back to their isolationist, uh, uh, xenophobic, uh, racist tendencies, and they oppose that. And so more Latino voters start to support the Democratic Party as a result. And then, you know, it goes back and forth but the fact is that it's a desirable voting block but that doesn't mean it's replacing white voters it's just as you said buzz it's adding to the pool of active (laughs) voters and illustrating the diversity of america and that's always been the key that's always been the centerpiece at least you know republicans yeah yeah i just say republicans see the value of latino voters and we need to see their importance uh, as a voting block as well uh at least here in Florida, and I, I do believe that the Florida 
Latino body politic is mm-hmm. different than the Southern California Latino body politic, uh, primarily because many of the Latinos here yeah. have come directly to Florida from communist countries. Yeah, yeah. And one of the ways that Republicans have recruited them to oppose Democrats is by accusing the Democrats of being socialist and communist. And when these immigrants, these Latino immigrants, hear that, uh, they remember what it was like back home. They associate Democrats with that, and uh, we lose. Yeah, uh, We have got to help them understand uh, the reality of, of how they're being used mm-hmm. and how uh, the candidates they support are, in reality, working against them. Yeah, the Cuban vote in Florida goes a long way back. It goes back to the 50s as far mm-hmm. as, uh, uh, you know, a reaction to the rise of Castro. And that's that's enormously complicated. But the other thing is, uh, I was having this conversation with my mom over the weekend, strangely enough, and mm-hmm. we were discussing the melting pot idea of America and how I believe that that, even beyond some of the rights that are guaranteed to us in the Constitution, the melting pot nature of America is, to me, what is quintessentially unique to the United States. And it's illustrated best in the election of Barack Obama. Barack Obama was one of the first national leaders at the top of the heap, at the presidential level, uh, who doesn't necessarily represent the ethnic makeup of the nation that elected him. You're not going to see a black president in Japan or a French president in Germany or a French prime minister in Germany. It's so rare in the history of human civilization that a person who does not reflect the ethnicity of his or her nation rises to the level of chief executive of that nation. That was unique to the United States. The election of Barack Obama was such a sea change in how we elect leadership in this country, and it's entirely reflective upon this melting pot ideal that we have here. And that is also, coincidentally, the thing that freaks out the replacement theorists. I'm sorry, as I am wont to do, I got you off your track a little bit because you were about to talk to us about Tucker Carlson. Oh, yes, yes, uh, yes. I've I've taken us down several side roads (laughs) since then. That's the the nature of the show. Yeah, yeah. uh, Forgive my language, but back to fucker Carlson. (laughs) Okay, yes. So he's the guy now who is repopularizing this, getting the yeah. word out. He's the biggest of a dozen voices out yeah. there, at least, but he is the, the prime voice there, yes. Right, right. So here's Tucker Carlson. This is a compilation of quotes and clips of Tucker Carlson, uh, originally assembled by Mehdi Hassan and his That's team. Great. So this is uh, also from MSNBC. This is uh, Tucker Carlson talking about replacement theory on his show. Now, I know that the left and all the little gatekeepers on Twitter become literally hysterical if you use the term replacement if you suggest that the Democratic Party is trying to replace the current electorate, the voters now casting ballots, with new people, more obedient voters from the third world. But they become hysterical because that's that's what's happening, actually. Let's just say it. That's mm. true. Let's say that again for emphasis because it is the secret to the entire immigration debate. Demographic change is the key to the Democratic Party's political ambitions. In other words, you're being replaced and there's nothing you can do about it. So shut up! (laughs) I mean, they're trying to change the population of the United States. And they hate it when you say that because it's true. Our country's being invaded by the rest of the world. I mean, the state, unequivocally, the country's being stolen from American citizens 
as we watch. In political terms, this policy is called the Great Replacement, the replacement of legacy Americans with more obedient people from faraway countries. There's Tucker Carlson talking about, and and yes, now it's, who me? I don't even know what replacement theory is. What do you even, what is racism? I I, I can't even, I can't even get beyond that, Buzz. At one point on Tucker Carlson's show, stares into the camera with that freshly tasered face of his and goes, what is racism even? I I don't even know what racism is. What? (laughs) What are you talking about? And he has this thing where he's communicating directly to an audience member. That's at least the yes. uh, that's the least the way the scripts are written. Where mm-hmm. obviously he's talking to a large audience, but he's directing his ideas to one person. Where he that's says the best way to broadcast. Yeah. I mean, you you absolutely yeah. uh, have nailed it. That's the yeah. secret to successful broadcasting, and he knows it. They don't want you to speak out. He, he's always saying they they mm-hmm. want to silence you. Not you all. Not everyone. You in particular. That worms its way into the lizard brain of the red hat disciples who watch Fox News Channel and sets in there and festers and yes. builds on those resentments. It's as old as the Willie Horton ads and the White Hands ad mm-hmm. and all of the racist uh, uh, political commercials that we've seen over the years. It directly targets uh, white people who are inclined toward racism and stirs it all up again, churns it all up like in the wake of a boat as it's going through shallow water. And all of that bullshit gets, you know, all that mud and silt and, and awfulness gets uh, churned up and relevant again to these people who are inclined to believe that. And last night, instead of uh, backing down, he was doubling down uh, yeah, and yeah. Uh, tying into what you just said. Here's a quote from his show last night also. Uh, quote, what is hate speech? Well, it's speech that our leaders hate, end yeah. quote. And that's his way of twisting reality mm-hmm. to that one person that he pretends to be talking to in his show. Yeah, yeah. So this is the centerpiece of what happened in Buffalo. And uh, again, it's an open question, <laughs> but I think we all know the answer. Does this change things? Does this change the degree of the awfulness and and just uh, toxic rhetoric that comes out of Fox News Channel, I don't think so. I don't think this is going to change a goddamn thing as far as they go. And uh, that's the truly distressing thing about this. There's nothing we can do about guns. Check. Right. There's nothing no. we can do about the language that triggers people who are inclined to use those guns against black people and other oppressed minorities. Uh, so there's a there's two things working against civilized society here, and it's all sourced from this monstrosity that Roger Rails created so many years ago and now carries on with new groups of executives who don't give a flying fuck about whether they're seen as racist or re- whether the left gets hysterical. And by the way, I did notice the misogyny and the use of that term by Tucker Carlson. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, th- these are all the things that drive executive decision-making. They're creating an entertainment network for bigoted assholes. Right. And that's the target demographic. That's the thing that Roger Ailes tapped into. 
they're doing that, posing as news. Yeah. Uh, in court, in court, they will defend themselves as saying, oh, no, our primetime shows are our entertainment. Yeah. Uh, they, they, they're advertising salespeople sell primetime ads mm-hmm. a, as entertainment. That's yeah. how it's classified. Uh, it's not very entertaining to the rest of us, but that's how uh, Fox has so far weaseled out of this. It seems to me that the Federal Trade Commission should be able to crack down on a, on a lie like that. Yeah. Uh, just to throw in a couple of other things I've picked up over the last uh, few days, mm-hmm. uh, one, one writer said uh, that the GOP has a three-legged platform, <laughs> and the legs are immigration, abortion, yeah. And guns. Yep. That's the three-legged stool of the Republican Party, according to uh, the author is John Stare at Alternet. I, mm-hmm. I don't know how reliable that is, but I, I've got to agree with what he said there. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, Liz Cheney uh, came out swinging against her own party in all of this and once again. And I'd like to think, wow, this may resonate. There may be some serious people on that side of the aisle, and they may be able to do something. And then I go, ha, 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 silly me. That's not really what's going to happen. Because really, Liz Cheney represents about 2 or 3% of the Republican Party. The Never Trumpers, that group, that's a mm-hmm. minuscule percentage. If Sadly you look at the latest small. poll numbers, yeah. at least, if you believe the polls, it's a teeny tiny, teeny tiny group of uh, dissenters on the Republican side who think their party's been co-opted by freaks, weirdos, and racists. I don't think Liz Cheney, I'm glad she spoke out. And yes. so she said this, she said, the House GOP leadership has enabled white nationalism, white supremacy, and anti-Semitism. Yes, History has taught us that what begins with words ends in far worse. Very well said. GOP leaders must renounce and reject these views and those who hold them. But of course, if they make even the slightest step into renouncing all of that, the disciples all go, well, yeah, they're saying that because they have to. We don't really believe it. I mean, we're going to accept the fact that they're all with us. Mitch McConnell's with us. The Rodeo Clown Caucus in the House, they're totally with us. So we don't need to worry. They just have to come out and assuage the uh, the people in the news media or whatever to get them off their backs. But they're all totally in it with us as far as opposing the brown people and the black people and everyone else, the gay people and the rest. Mitch McConnell pretends to be a traditional Republican. Uh, Lindsey Graham, I think, tries to pretend sometimes that Mm -hmm. he's a traditional Republican. The truth is, as I said before, no, no, no. Uh, Lauren Boebert, Elise Stefanik, uh, Matt Gaetz, this is the real Republican Party. And we know that to be true because there have been no objections from the likes of Mitch McConnell and Lindsey Graham. (laughs) They're okay with what's going on here. In fact, Republicans in any position of authority have not in any way, other than Liz Cheney, rebuked. Uh, what's happening here in terms of this. I also, I want to just to clarify something I said earlier about uh, this. Uh, I can't remember if I said replacement theory has been around for decades. Certainly the concept has. Yeah. Uh, the, the phrase great replacement theory, in quotes, was coined in 2012 by the French nationalist and novelist and conspiracy theorist Renaud Camus, I believe yes. is the pronunciation. And uh, so it's been around for at least 10 years now. We know yeah. that much. Uh, but we think the idea uh, goes back much further, and I think uh, Rachel Maddow did a, a good job of illustrating that last night. Yeah, I've already checked France off of my list of places I would flee to if suddenly fascism really <laughs> yeah. uh, takes hold here. I mean, we, obviously there are signs of it, but if suddenly Trump is reelected or someone like Trump and they 
put an end to the whatever and democracy ends here where do we flee where do we go do we stay mm. and it's not going to be France because France has got its well, own chunk of weirdos keep, and extremists that you got to worry about keep your, yeah keep your eye on the yeah. world map because as I said uh, <laughs> the US is not alone on yeah, this yeah. Uh, so there may be other countries you may want to avoid as well who, who have already crossed that line or mm. who are teetering on that line yeah yeah well lots more to talk about here on today's show I want to give uh, I wanted to give a, a good chunk of time to uh, what happened in Buffalo uh, you know one thing I want to add here at the end I was about to wrap up but uh, I can't help but to go back to the series of videos I've been collecting over the years I did a whole tweet thread where I featured I don't know seven or eight of them where Republican politicians running for office some of them won their campaign some of them didn't but regardless mm-hmm. uh, campaign ads campaign commercials in which those Republicans are simply shooting the things they hate. They're not saying why those things are bad. They're just saying right. we have to shoot this is the them. Answer. Yes. And we- as, as some as somebody who just toured uh, uh, seven uh, red uh, southern states, yeah, uh, I can tell you that uh, that resonates. That oh, resonates yes. with with people out there, and I, I hope to talk about those people coming up. Yes, yes. After a short break, I want to get into uh, your journeys through <laughs> red America. <laughs> yeah. I, I should be fascinating to hear. I almost, uh, I'm almost afraid. I'm, I'm I'm a little bit scared as to <laughs> what the content well, of maybe, your recap is going to be. Maybe maybe we need some more of that. Certainly. Uh, yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, the surveys are showing us that uh, uh, not only Democrats, but Americans, uh, nearly mm-hmm. uh, at least 44 percent, are uh, feel helpless and <clears throat> do feel afraid. Yeah. That, that is absolutely one of the emotions that America is feeling right now. So if you hear uh, Bob or anybody mention uh, fear, uh, we're talking about a very, very large group of people, a substantial group of people. It's not just a paranoid few who are afraid, it's a great portion of the populace. Well, Buzz, I don't know if you watched the show Ozark, but one I of do, the- I uh, do, I did. Uh-huh. <laughs> Putin, Putin didn't get to see how it ended, but we did. Yeah, yeah we, we spent uh, quite a bit of time talking about Ozark on the after party this week, but one of the things mm-hmm. that features prominently in Ozark is uh, is gambling. They have a riverboat thing yes. that they use to, right. to uh, uh, launder money and so on. I wouldn't go within a thousand feet of that place, uh, just because I'm, I'm terrified of gambling. <laughs> gambling because I, I find that when I do it, I enjoy it too much. So, Oh, see, I'm the opposite. I, I, here's my philosophy on gambling. Gambling, the, the word gambling implies there's a chance you could win. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, good luck. Yeah, I try not to uh, bet. Uh-huh. I try not to engage in gambling, wagering at all. But I would wager that you're probably paying around 20% interest on your credit card debt. It's just, mm-hmm. the, it's just the national average, the average credit card maybe. interest rate. Yeah, over 19% APR. Mm-hmm. If you're also making minimum monthly payments on that credit card debt, it's going to take you years and years to pay off those cards. So why not spare yourself the ongoing nightmare and refinance your cards into a super low interest rate and I've got the solution for you right here. It is called Lightstream. You can roll your cards into one low payment at a fixed rate as low as 4.98% APR with auto pay and excellent credit. That's way lower than most cards. As I said, the average credit card interest rate is over 19% APR. And the application is 100% online. And you can even get your money in your bank account as soon as the day you apply. But here, here's your way to get an even lower interest rate. Your discount is Lightstream.com slash 
Seska. That's the URL you want to remember. You want to memorize it. If you've got a pen and paper nearby, write it down. Make a note of it. Lightstream.com slash Seska. That's L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M dot com slash C-E-S-C-A. I have a convenient link in the description under this episode at bobseska.com. Subject credit approval rates range from 4.98% APR to 19.99% APR. Include a 0.50% auto pay discount. Lowest rate requires excellent credit. Terms and conditions apply and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash Seska for more information. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Bob Seska! All-time favorites all day long Yeah, we're all in a race A race to the bottom Still playing for pennies They call it paying our dues And what will it take To not feel hollow While we're so desperately failing And we abandon our dreams Be a monument for the living This is a brand new Divided Heaven This is the lead track of their brand new album Oblivion The song is called uh, Monuments Got a link in the description to their Bandcamp page. Bandcamp is dividedheaven.bandcamp.com. So, uh, yeah, you definitely want to pick up this album. It's one of the best of the year so far. Holy shit, so good. Bobseska.com slash music to submit. Bandcamp. Yeah, yeah. Bandcamp might be the best camp in America. (laughs) I think so. (laughs) Yeah, lots of great stuff happening over there. I think most of our indie bands have a Bandcamp page. It's. uh, I find it's one of the most convenient ways to buy music because you get a real full preview of the songs you're about to buy. I think uh, Apple Music only previews a minute and a half. But on Bandcamp, yeah, you can listen to the whole song before you decide to buy it. So, uh, And uh, this new one from Divided Heaven is great. It's an album called Oblivion, so remember that. Okay, uh, let's see. Where do we leave off? Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about your journey through the hinterlands, <laughs> through the... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the reddest of the red states, uh, back and forth from your uh, your uh, reunion. You had a high school reunion over the weekend? Yeah. Well, due to circumstances beyond my control, I was born in Wichita, Kansas. Uh, 
<laughs> and uh, was educated there back when you could get a good education there. I think you still can. I was somewhat heartened by what I saw. <laughs> Although, uh, before the reunion, there was a tour of the high school, and uh. Uh, a lot of us went on it. I hadn't seen it since, you know, the war. Uh, <laughs> I, I had joked to Bob uh, before, before I left that uh, we were all going to be a bit worn at this reunion, and it was going to look a little like a reunion of World War II pilots. Or that reunion of the Civil War veterans shaking hands at the angle at Gettysburg. Yeah, Exactly. You sent me that photo. I may, I may post it as a photo of my reunion. I don't know. Yeah. But I, I did. It, one of the things I learned, I was shocked. You know, they added a lot of wonderful things to the school. It, it expanded greatly. I did say to the tour guide at one point, uh, gee, it, it seems like the athletic center is now, and it was a, they have a massive athletic center at my high school now. Nice. And I said, it seems like it's bigger than the rest of the school. And he said, oh, it is. <laughs> yes, of course it is. I was shocked. I won trophies for my high school for dramatic interpretations of speech of uh, poetry, which was a uh, part wow. of the speech class yeah. and for uh, participating in debates. I, mm-hmm. I brought home trophies as well. And I found out uh, shockingly on this tour that both speech and debate have been eliminated from the curriculum at my high school. <laughs> you can't you can't get training in that anymore. Dearest, uh, dearest Martha. Yes. I'm writing to you from my reunion <laughs> so in many. Wichita and... I'm amazed, dearest Martha, how (laughs) large the sporting facility is here. Much larger than the actual school. But so many courses have been needlessly lost. But that was uh, that was enlightening, uh, yeah. and uh, you know it was a mixed bag. Some of it was encouraging, some of it not so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the, the big event, of course, was the reunion. And all I can say about that is, uh, none of us, uh, almost none of us, looked the same as we did. <laughs> uh, we had to wear little name tags that had our high school pictures on us on them, so you could tell who we used to be. <laughs> uh, but but uh, I, I must say, it was I, I reunited with people I haven't spoken with in. Years and uh, uh, over a half century, to be honest, and uh, uh, in in nearly all cases, uh, this was uh, good food for the soul. It yeah, was I imagine. A great a great experience to reconnect, and many of these people I hope to stay in touch with better than we have over our earning years. Uh, I, I feel guilty and uh, regretful. Uh, that I'd not stayed in touch with a lot of these people. I was swept up in my career. Many of them were swept up in theirs. But sure. I, I, I still am regretful about the time we lost and uh, am looking to make that up. Uh, that that was that. And, but then it came time uh, to fly home. We, we flew out there. And, uh-huh. you know, as you do, you fly over the country to go to your destination and then you fly back home. Well, that was the plan. Oh, no. Uh, oh, but our, no. our return reservations got screwed up and there were no seats available on any doable combination of flights that would get us home and and that was the case for three days running and was this was this the people plane that fly out of wichita or is this the people plane to fly out of stubville is that well i i won't name the airline by name but i will tell you it was an american one mm. uh so you know it was one of those and uh but it, yeah. but but they they just weren't able to make it on time for my for my flight home we had no alternative at that point than to make the grueling two-day 
two-day drive back, uh, you know, from Wichita to uh, our home on the west coast of Florida. Yeah, yeah. Uh, This had us traveling through and stopping in seven red southern states. Uh, We met many nice people. We had very good food. We saw some beautiful country. Uh, I found out several states uh, need to change their slogans to the dead tire state because the (laughs) roads are... The roads are lined with dead tires yeah. uh, that have blown up and blown off the side of the road. Uh, but, but other than that, I did see some, some beautiful country. What I also saw and what I came back to warn everybody about and remind everybody about yeah. is d- despite the momentum that we have right now uh-huh. in our anger and fear over abortion rights and in our anger and fear over guns and our anger and fear over racism, despite the uh, motivation that we all feel right now, more than ever. As I mentioned earlier in the show, and Bob confirmed, uh, now this uh, concern over abortion matches America's concern over inflation. I never thought I would see that happen. So it's very encouraging to see that. And there are other encouraging things as well, but uh, I, I, I can't count the number of farms that I drove past that lined their highway fences with uh, not only signs supporting Trump, but moreover, Confederate flags. Confederate flags, ladies and gentlemen. These are the voters. These are the voters that the racist propagandists that we listed earlier are appealing to. This is the individual that Tucker Carlson pretends to be talking to. Mm -hmm. And and, uh, over and over again. Now, it was a little different when I got to Florida, believe it or not. I didn't see so much on on Trump. I uh, maybe won, I think. Uh, What I did see, coming back from northern Florida to west central Florida... I saw, it went like this, uh, at least for the first part of the state. Uh, you'd go about a mile, and you'd see a billboard about Jesus. Uh, and then you'd go another mile, and there'd be a speed trap. And then you go another mile, and there's another billboard about Jesus. And then you go another mile, and there's another speed trap. And this went on like half a dozen or so, so times. So Jesus and authoritarianism the whole exactly. way. Okay. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, and religion, I was reminded on this journey, is very much a part of this, or what we used to call religion, I guess, <laughs> uh, is very much a part of this this uh, racist thing that, that, that has all of these large, tall, proud Confederate flags flying. And I just want my fellow progressives and independents as well to know uh, that they are out there and they are out there in great numbers and they are enthusiastic too. Yeah. Uh, and uh, let let us not underestimate the enthusiasm of the opposition here. Mm-hmm. Uh, let us use this motivation we've gained from what we've seen recently from the Supreme Court and from the barrels of guns. Uh, let's let that not be our only motivation, but uh, also the knowledge that they are out there in great numbers and we must overcome them with greater numbers. I uh, I did my own little mini journey through uh, red state America. Just I drove down to Virginia to uh, go to a couple of Civil War battlefields with my mom. I I hadn't uh, seen her over Mother's Day, so Gee, we decided to... I wouldn't think you'd run into any of those folks there. No, not... <laughs> Of course, of course we ran into tons of them. And you know, the thing that I saw uh, most of all was the family values people waving fuck Biden flags. Yeah. Yeah, oh, I they're, mean, they're not, Christians. Just, not just a couple, but I mean, like you could tell, like we're waving the flag for our team at every single house. That's what <laughs> that's what I saw most more than the Confederate flag. Even it was fuck Biden. 
the whole way. Brings to mind something I read in the Washington Post about uh, a neighborhood in Fairfax City. I lived in Fairfax City, Virginia, a suburb of Washington, D.C., yeah. before yeah. Uh, moving here to Florida, and I loved it. I loved it very much. And right now, the city council there mm-hmm. uh, in Fairfax City, uh, Virginia, Fairfax, is, yep. is considering renaming its Confederate name streets. Uh, this has caused a great division in Mosby Woods, a cluster of 523 homes. And you can find uh, the center of that neighborhood at the intersection of Confederate Lane and Plantation Parkway. Oh, God! Where folks folks on one side, and and, uh, yeah, I mean, there are people who not only live uh, at or near Confederate Lane and Plantation Parkway in Fairfax, uh, they're flying Confederate flags, and they've taken a stand uh, against the city council and against those who have, in that neighborhood, posted Black Lives Matter signs. Uh Uh, the, The neighborhood is divided. It's a... Right now, it's a nonviolent mini-civil war that's occurring there in a very sophisticated city. One of the Fairfax uh, County is one of the highest-income counties in the nation. Yeah. And this is a tidy little middle-class neighborhood uh, where you will find blacks and whites, and you will find uh, whites who uh, oppose the changes that the city council is proposing, and you'll find whites and blacks, of course, who who are, are whites, at least, who, who support what the city council is doing yeah uh and and this is the division that, that's taken place there and so it isn't just in those red southern states that bob and i have toured recently it it's in middle america yeah yeah it was especially i went way deep south into virginia way down to petersburg uh, i went to see the petersburg yeah. national battlefield oh, and if you've ever oh. seen cold mountain the beginning of cold mountain that movie where it's the battle of the crater where there's that giant explosion they put all that tnt under the uh, confederate lines and then just blow it up and then just <laughs> massive explosion and yeah. i went to see the crater at the petersburg battle that's why i was down there oh, and so uh there. yeah fuck brandon's brandon signs all over the place but of i course. i have to say i i kind of reacted with shock with what you were saying about Fairfax, but mm-hmm. I grew up in Fairfax. I spent the first yeah. 18, 19 years of my life in Fairfax, and uh, of course uh, interned with you at the Don and Mike show, and that was in That's where we Fairfax yeah, City. In yeah, Fairfax. exactly. Yeah. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. And the uh, place names, many of the street names, like yes. <laughs> I remember Lee Highway, which I think still yes. exists, and that used to be called uh, Lee Jackson Highway, after Robert mm-hmm. E. Lee and Stonewall Jackson. There was Lee High School, which I think has since been changed. It was like Robert E. Lee figured prominently in so many place names, uh, uh, Stonewall Jackson as well, all throughout Northern Virginia, which now gratefully has become sort of the Democratic stronghold of that commonwealth and uh, I'm so grateful for it because it's where I grew up and I'm glad that area has finally seen the light and is moving away from all of the racist tropes and the confederate uh, names and, and all of it but it's still it's right up until recent times you would think oh well maybe they changed that back during the civil rights era or something like no no, no, it's well into the uh, 21st century that we're seeing a lot of those uh, those names and they seem they seem so out of place now, but they're still they're still a thing. It's still a it's one, still a prominent thing. One guy in that neighborhood who opposes the city council's plan to change the names of 
of Plantation Parkway and Confederate Place or whatever it yeah, was. Yeah. Uh, it is a quote from him. He says uh, the, he blames the city council and some of his neighbors for wanting to, quote, relitigate or relight the civil war that has been over for 160 years. Oh, my God. And I, and I know Bob will agree with me. It isn't. The civil war isn't over. And it no. isn't over because it wasn't condemned when the fighting stopped. Yeah. Because there was this, oh, let's reunite the country. We have to pull the... And we did need to pull the country back together, but certainly not by forgiving and forgetting, which is what we tried to do. 106 years later, uh, 160 years later, that wound has still not been healed. And and in that way, the Civil War uh, continues uh, and, and is, although not actually a shooting war yet, it's certainly beginning to lean that direction with these acts of racist violence. Yeah, it's all the lost cause, the myth of the lost cause, yes, the Southern yes. the notion that this was all a noble fight for states' rights and for freedom and the second American Revolution, and it had oh, it had nothing to do with slavery after all. These were heroes who were just protecting their homes, and we need to memorialize them, and we drove... Drove past Richmond, where the uh, you know they used to have that memorial—I forget what it was originally called—the Memorial Boulevard, where all the Confederate statues were in Richmond, Virginia, and now it's called Arthur Ashe Boulevard. It was so mm-hmm. refreshing to see that road yes. sign up as uh, I drove through Richmond the other day. But uh, the the fact is that uh, the lost cause has not left us. It's still being. Uh, touted all over Fox News Channel, AM Talk Radio, the usual suspects. And uh, in that respect, no, you're exactly right. The Civil War in this country has not ended. And it's not resolved, at least. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's just it. The ideas behind it. You would think it right. would be. But I think to a large extent, irrespective of how the North handled the South in the wake of that war, and I want to get too far afield because I could talk for hours about this. <laughs> I know you could. Yeah, despite the uh, lost cause myth, despite how the North treated the South in the wake of the Civil War, I believe the very fact that the South lost that war just that idea alone. We okay, we lost. We were humiliated by Grant and Lincoln and the North and the abolitionists and all the rest of it. That's what has really driven this sense of resentment and anger and just victimhood that you hear from Southern whites who are predisposed to believing these things that, that drove the Civil War, the fire eaters and all the propaganda that that stirred people into secession. And so that's I think that's something that is uh, intrinsic to the South that is only worsened by the post-war years and Reconstruction and the lost cause. And that's actually amplified everything in the same way that I believe Fox News is amplifying a lot of bigotry and racism and uh, xenophobia and homophobia and uh, misogyny uh, on the Republican side, so indeed, and we have to pin we have to pin this. It's not just Southerners. Yeah, we have to pin this on the entire Republican Party that has uh-huh. turned a blind eye to the direction they've already headed. Uh, the Washington Post had a great chart this morning. You'll find it on my uh, Twitter feed. Uh, but it, they classified uh, using statistics classified murders by type, political extremism by mm-hmm. type, uh, from 2012 through 2021. Uh, white supremacy was behind 55% of those murders connected to political extremism. Yeah. White supremacy, 55%. Anti-government uh, sentiment, 14%. Other right-wing, 6%. So we're talking about 75% 
uh, of these, uh, and, and Islamists, 20%, left-wing, 4%, other, 1%. So uh, the violence, the killing uh, that is connected to political extremism, uh, specifically right-wing political extremism, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's on them. It's on, it's on the right-wing, it's on the Republican Party, it's on the people who fly those Confederate flags. One of the concerns uh, that Robert E. Lee, speaking of Robert E. Lee, uh, one of the concerns he had coming out of the Civil War was that unless he declared an unequivocal uh, surrender to the North, Mm-hmm. then the Confederate army would have been dispersed into what would amount to guerrilla warfare that would have lasted for decades longer. So the Civil War never would have ended. It would have become this ugly insurgency uh, beyond the more Victorian era, uh, sort of quote-unquote, nobility of, of the war, which I, uh, latter latter part of the war, there's nothing noble about it, especially. But uh, regardless, that was the idea. And, and I think we see a little bit of that now. I think we're seeing mm-hmm. a little bit of that certainly oh, yeah. in Buffalo, where you do have small pockets of white supremacists who are taking matters in their own hands to fight back against, you know, the browning of America or the liberalization of America, the enlightenment of America. So- I, I would like to uh, I would like to interject something uh, that, that has developed during the course of our recording today's show. Okay, uh, and and I think it's uh, very important. You were talking about the importance of acknowledging uh, terrorism and and its part in this. Yeah, uh, in in emotional remarks today, President Biden called the Buffalo shooting racist terrorism and wow. criticized the use of hate speech for political gain. He said that uh, hate will not prevail. That's a quote. He said, and another quote, white supremacy is a poison, he said, uh, during his visit to Buffalo. Uh, and he also said uh, white supremacy will not have the last word. Uh, so he's uh, clearly come down on uh, the violence and the white supremacy that's that's motivated it. Uh, we were saying that this is the kind of thing that needs to be said, and I'm so proud of uh, President Biden, despite his yeah. unbelievably low uh, approval ratings, I'm so proud of him for saying what needs to be said, for speaking the truth. And naturally, you're going to hear reactions all afternoon from the, mm-hmm. oh, we're so victimized, Republicans screaming, oh, why is Joe Biden trying to silence us now? And it's just, I'm so fucking sick of the whining, the incessant whining. Stop whining. Thank you. Please yeah. stop with this bullshit. We all see right through it. It's insane. Yes, well, not all of us, sadly. Yeah, uh, more, more of us, More of us do. More of us need to. Yeah. And it's on me, you, and our listeners uh, to see that they hear that message and understand it. Right, right. Well, I want to get into some uh, ab- abortion conversation here. There's a quote that I want to play from Nebraska Governor Pete Rick. Uh-huh. which is fucking disgusting. It is a Not disgusting, shocked. disgusting quote. We'll talk about that and uh, more conversation about IVF treatments. And Oh, yeah. And, yeah, and, that's and, picking up steam. Right, what the reversal of Roe and Casey means for mm-hmm. fertility clinics. And there's a CNN piece that covers this, and I, I'm glad to see more and more people are talking about it, as you said, Buzz. And then uh, maybe a little bit about COVID, which is not going away. We'll discuss right. that coming up good. here. Uh, yeah, so, but in the I'll meantime... Yeah, sounds good. Well, in the meantime, uh, the Patreon app for your smartphone is the best way to stay up to date with the new episodes of the Bob Suska Show, and it's also 
also the best way to listen. Every time there's a new episode, you're going to get automatic alerts on your phones, notifications for the free shows on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, and notifications for the Friday after party and the Shadow Docket shows, too. You can listen at home or in the car with just a couple of swipes, and you can join our community of listeners in the comments under each episode. Oh, and you can manage your subscriptions without ever sitting down at a computer. You can subscribe for as little as $1 a month at bobseskashow.com or patreon.com slash bobseskashow. Just $1 a month, and you get access to the Patreon app. Then you can download that app uh, from the App Store to your phone and get all the notifications and, and goodies featured in it. Okay, that's bobseskashow.com. Bookmark it, send it to all your friends, and we thank you. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset, hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Bob Seska plays more music. has a brand new song from uh, Good Fake. That's a, It's an interesting search to do on Google. If you search for Good Fake and then the word music. <laughs> I'll bet. Start searching for really great fake music. <laughs> but this is uh, completely separate from that. This is really great music. This is, uh, as I said, Good Fake, a song called Soda Pop Sugar High from their You Vultures album. The link in the description under this episode, as usual, bobseska.com slash music to submit. Okay, so... Uh, is, is it just me, or have we packed a lot into a very small space today? I think we have. It's getting crowded <laughs> in here with all the Indeed. stuff. All right. Yeah. Well, we're just going to add to it here uh, before we wrap up our uh, big Tuesday show. Let's talk mm-hmm. about uh, Nebraska Governor Pete Ricketts, who was on with Dana Bash on CNN the other day. And uh, without much of a setup, obviously the conversation had to do with uh, the reversal of Roe v. Wade and Uh the ramifications for abortion laws in Ricketts State in Nebraska. What was his campaign slogan anyway? Go Ricketts? (laughs) That's right. Uh, Yeah, I think his lieutenant governor is Richard Scurvy. Uh, Uh I'm pretty sure uh Ricketts and Scurvy, uh, 2022, (laughs) whenever they were elected. That was our our morning DJ show, Ricketts and Scurvy. (laughs) Ricketts and Scurvy, yes. We were deprived of important nutrients, and that's why. We can still laugh. So here's, uh, with our crooked bones, uh, here's Pete Ricketts talking about uh, abortion in the instances of rape and incest. Uh, and I will warn you now, yes. this is fucking 
horrible. Before I let you go, one uh, final question about Roe v. Wade. The Supreme Court appears poised to reverse that. Nebraska, your state, does not have a so-called trigger law on the books, but there was an effort, as you know, to pass one. It failed by only two votes last month. The abortion ban that you tried to pass did not include any exceptions for rape or incest. So can you clarify, do you think that the state of Nebraska should require a young girl who was raped to carry that pregnancy to term? So Nebraska is a pro-life state. I believe life begins at conception, and those are babies too. So if Roe versus Wade, which is a horrible constitutional decision, uh, gets overturned by the Supreme Court, which we're hopeful of, here in Nebraska, we're going to take further steps to protect those preborn babies. Including in the case of rape or incest? They're still babies, too. Yes, they're still babies. Oh my God. So if Roe is overruled and overturned, uh, will you call a special session right away to ban abortion in Nebraska? Well, if we do get that uh, Roe versus Wade overturned, we will take. I will work with our Speaker of the Legislature to work on a special session and uh, do more to protect preborn babies. We'll have to wait and see what that decision is before we can take further steps, but that would certainly be my intention. Okay, first of all, okay, I... Ass- Governor Ricketts, thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate yeah, thanks. it. Thanks. Thanks, Ricketts. Dan is still talking. Um, yes, uh, right off the bat. And yeah. she lets it go with a thank you, by the way. We should point that out. Yeah, thank yeah. you. I appreciate you coming on my show and Spreading talking that with lie. this awfulness. Yeah. Uh, the other thing is, if Pete Ricketts' daughter, his niece, so someone in his family were to be raped, I assure you, Pete Ricketts would have that relative on the next flight to Blue State, wherever, to have that pregnancy aborted. That is unequivocally a giant yes. There is no doubt. I seriously don't believe that he would say, well, I'm sorry, that's a baby too, right to his own daughter or niece or whatever. Lots of Republicans have done that before, and they'll be the only ones doing it uh, if this goes the direction it could. I still think there is some hope that this uh, planned ruling may fall apart at the seams. Uh, A lot of what Alito used in his writing, if you want to call it that, uh, was... uh, based on precedent and uh, what he saw as precedent. And it's been pointed out to me since that that's a knife that cuts both ways, that uh, there are, uh, uh, that he can just as easily be shot down by other justices uh, with other precedents. Uh, when you when you open that can, you open yourself to, to those kinds of arguments. I, I want to also interject another note from the road uh, on the uh, billboards I saw in Florida uh, <laughs> about abortion. That was the really, besides Jesus, the real focus of the billboards I saw in Florida were abortion, and there wow. were a lot of them, and uh, many of them. And each time I saw it, I knew how angry you would be when you heard this, <laughs> that uh, abortion billboards saying, that uh, a heartbeat is detected at 18 days after conception. No, wrong. This, this is a lie, and it's yeah. a, it's a scary, dangerous lie. I've also read, and I want to mention this too because I think it's relevant and important. Uh, the Christian right, the political Christian right, has taken the position that a 13-year-old girl who has been raped has been given by God a great opportunity. <sighs> 
Yeah, they, I saw they that. See, they see the pregnancy of a 13-year-old who's the victim of rape or incest as being someone who has received a great opportunity from God. Uh, this is the kind of thing that's out there that, that's justifying uh, this crushing of women's rights to health. It's so utterly delusional. I mean, we're talking about rape here, and I hate to get into the exception game, playing on their terms, where they're banning this, so our focus is on this particular exception. It's got to be reproductive freedom, period. Up until viability, yes, women's choice. And that's the key to all of this. But since it is now a thing because of Ricketts and others, we do have to address this. And it is so disgusting to just hear uh, a, a rape, then fast forward to wonderful opportunity. What a mirror. It's a baby, too. There are all kinds of things that this guy and other people like him are entirely forgetting about this sort of scenario. A young girl is a raped and impregnated and by the way this can happen to eight-year-olds nine-year-olds that young and Mm -hmm. this uh, what i've been referring to as reproductive dictator this reproductive dictator is, is. is forcing that young girl to birth her rapist's child possibly killing her in the process we're talking about an eight-year-old a nine-year-old whose body isn't adapted whose pelvic girdle isn't large enough whose system isn't prepared to have a child in her after such immense trauma of being raped i mean this is so atrocious all to save an unrecognizable embryo a blastocyst that's 50 percent rapist dna That's what these guys are for. This is the pro-rape party. This is the top of the pro-Putin party, top of everything else, the white supremacy party. This is the pro-rape party. They're cool with it because guess what? It's also an opportunity. It's like, oh my God, it's like you're doing scratch-off tickets. Oh, rape, what a great day for me. You win, yeah. God's giving you a gift. Congratulations. (sighs) Just it's a major award, yep. and we we often forget, or maybe in many cases don't even know, mm-hmm. that uh, giving birth, even by a healthy adult woman, yeah. is frequently a life-threatening situation. Yes. Uh, and and uh, that decision as to what happens with that pregnancy has got to be strictly between the woman and her doctor. I mean, and with the final decision going to the woman. Dr. Leah Torres, every time she's on my show, says, pregnancy is a potentially deadly medical condition. Right. You should have purview over whether or not. And, and the Republicans like to spread this myth that people are just fucking all over the place and then just using abortion as birth right. control. Oh, or, or to get uh, government handouts. The more yeah. kids you have, the more money you get. You know, no. I so, uh, it's a lie. Absolutely a fucking lie. And there was this guy, I think he's a podcast, he's a red hat, he's a lunatic, his name is Tim Poole, and he was tweeting over the weekend about how, well, what happens if a woman in the eighth month goes and tries to get an abortion, but ends up going into labor at the same time? What happens to the baby? I said, you're full of fucking shit. You don't know anything about Roe v. Wade. You don't know anything about Planned Parenthood v. Casey. You don't know anything about the laws in all 50 states that ban abortion after 
after the point of viability per those two Supreme Court decisions, unless that there is a, a, a severe fetal abnormality in which the, the child is dying or the mother has a, a threat to her life in the process, there are no elective late-term abortions. It just does not happen. So you can feel free to shut the fuck up with your propaganda because you don't know what you're talking about. And all that does is it stirs up the people like Dan Badandi, who was on this show back in the Ches days, this uh, InfoWars goon who said that on our show, said that he wanted to put C4 in a van and drive it into a uh, abortion clinic, you know, because mm-hmm. he's pro-life. Uh, that's what stirs up those kinds of people, stirs up the kinds of people who go into grocery stores in Buffalo and shoot black people. It's this counterfactual agitprop, and that's purely what it is. I'm saying that deliberately because that's a Russian term. Mm-hmm. That's the sort of thing that we're seeing right now, and it's uh, there's nothing factual about anything, any of this propaganda that's going on. It's basically like uh, you, you have sex, and then poof, baby, miracle, hello, let's... Yeah, Every let's, time. Yeah, adoption, you can do that. But no, you, you miss the nine months of physical trauma capped off by the grisly process of birthing that child unfucking believable these people and so the other dimension that i want to talk about before we wrap up the show is uh this conversation about ivf treatments fertility yes, clinics yes you were one you were as far as i know the first to start talking about this but i'm pleased to see that others have picked up this subject matter this banner yeah yeah well the key here is uh the unforeseen consequences of this kind of radicalism against uh abortion services where they create these fetal personhood laws, where as soon as that sperm goes into that ovum, then that is a human being. And you cannot uh, deliberately get rid of that fertilized egg. That is the rule, because it, it is a person with constitutional rights. That is the, the law in many, yep. many of these trigger law states. And so that's what we're talking about. And if that happens to be the case, then IVF is done as a procedure in all of those states, because that process involves the destruction of fertilized embryos, the deliberate destruction, the scientific destruction of those embryos. And so it seems to me as if people, and I think two out of every 100 births are in this country are a consequence of IVF. Everyone who engages in that process, infertile couples, couples who are desperate to have children, but who cannot, uh, and there's got to be many, many Trump voters <laughs> who want to have IVF. Oh, yeah. Many, many Trump voters, by the way, who also are. have miscarriages and complications with their pregnancies and so on. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't understand how this is going to blow back against them. And this is one of those areas, IVF. And it looks like IVF clinics will have to shut down in all the states that define life as beginning at fertilization. And more of those states are yeah. ready to start writing those into their state constitutions. Yeah. Yes. Uh, uh, people, friends, uh, focus on this. Pay attention to this. Pay attention to what's happening specifically in your state because that's the level at which uh, this war will be executed. Oh, yeah, yeah. CNN, thankfully, did a whole piece about the consequences for IVF and infertile couples. Uh, There's a quote here from Dr. Natalie Crawford of the Fora Fertility uh, Clinic in Austin, Texas. She explained, the goal is generally 
to make as many embryos as possible. That's because on average, half of all embryos are chromosomally abnormal. These abnormalities can result in conditions like Down syndrome and trisomy 18 or Mm. may prevent the embryo from becoming a healthy pregnancy. Clinics and or clients typically choose to discard them rather than to implant them. Right. That creation of multiple embryos is where IVF clinics see potential legal trouble on the horizon. Mm -hmm. The state defines an unborn child as existing at the moment of fertilization. Clinics could violate the law by discarding chromosomally abnormal embryos or by terminating a pregnancy where multiple embryos have been implanted. So this is where you get like Octomom suddenly. Uh, and, and yeah, no, that worked it, out real well for the Duggars, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. Legally enforced octuplets or whatever you want to call it. And that's legally mandated now. Yeah, you, you have eight viable embryos in you and they're all developing. The law now says that's it. You have to give birth gotta, to all eight of those. Yeah. Got to have them all. Yeah. yeah. In interviews with CNN, uh, doctors who work in the fertility field and academics who study the legal landscape around it say there is there's grave uncertainty, both about how abortion laws already on the books will be interpreted and how lawmakers and local prosecutors may seek to push the envelope freed from the precedents that have effectively shielded the fertility process from government meddling. The lack of clarity, it is feared, will affect the treatments doctors are willing to offer IVF patients and the decision people will have to make about how to pursue growing their families. Yeah, there are also limits in terms of flying to other states. We were talking about Pete Ricketts, you know, probably sending his female uh, relatives and so on uh, to blue states to get these kinds of services. Other Republicans with money doing mm-hmm. the same thing. As they always have and as they will continue to do. Yes. Yeah, sure. But look out for the bounty hunters. I, in fact, I believe yeah. I believe that the ACLU or some of these groups need to become bounty hunters themselves and monitor mm-hmm. Republicans, Trump voters, to find out whether they do these things, just to set an example, so to speak. Is now more than ever, yeah. now more than ever within the confines of the law, Democrats need to fight Republican fire with fire. The show's going really long at this point, but I do want to add it's this here at the, at the very end. Uh, apart from abortion, there's other uh, health-related concern, which is called COVID. Mm-hmm. And oh, uh, yeah, this New York Times piece is pretty uh, shocking. They report that uh a virus that shows no signs of disappearing, variants that are adept at dodging bodies' defenses, and waves of infections two, maybe three times a year. This may be the future of COVID-19, some scientists now fear. The yes. central problem is that the coronavirus has become more adept at reinfecting people already. Those infected with the first Omicron variant are reporting second infections with the newer versions of that variant, BA2, mm-hmm. BA2.12.1 in the United Yay. States, or BA4 and BA5 in South mm-hmm. Africa. Those people may, may go on to have third or fourth infections, yes. even yes. within this year, researchers said in interviews, and some small fraction may have symptoms that persist for months or years, mm-hmm. a condition known as long fucking covid i added and we've talked about we we, yeah it should be known as that absolutely (laughs) and and we've talked about uh, this before and we've talked about the long-term effects of of having had covid yeah what i now know is that a relative of mine uh, to whom i do not want to see this happen Mm -hmm. uh didn't get vaccinated and apparently wasn't 
careful enough yeah. uh, that that she got COVID. Uh, according to this new information that you're sharing with us now, she could get it again and again and again every few months. Yeah. We may be looking at, at at having to have boosters every few months, and it, it comes. It has come to this. It was all preventable. It has come to yeah. this because we, we had Americans who refused to wear masks. Mm-hmm. I remind you again of the Australians who have one-tenth the death rate as the United States because they trusted their fellow citizens and they trusted their government. And guess what? They had uh, 90% fewer deaths per capita. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is what we're facing, and it was all avoidable. And uh, frankly, I don't know how we fix this, but uh, this now shares the top spot with abortion rights and and gun violence and uh, racial violence. Uh, there's a lot to be paying attention to now. It's uh, more reason than ever, as we've said, for us to get Democrats off the couch. We're not going to change, I don't think, many, if any, Republican minds, except maybe on the subject of abortion. Yeah. We do have an inroad there. But on, on many of the other topics, we're not going to break through to many people on the Republican side. What we really need to do is get Democrats off their asses and and talk to independents who are have, have at least lately been leaning the other way. I expect it may have already tilted back in our direction, mm-hmm. but we mustn't let up. There are still months to go before this election. There'll be a lot of bullshit between now and then, and it's it's our job to stand up to that. And on the subject of, of racism, something we didn't mention earlier, uh, I wanted to add, and I'm getting out of order here, but uh, <laughs> as, as I tend to do, but I, I highly recommend uh, that if you can, if there's a way you can go back and see last night's Rachel Maddow show. She does a great job of sort of explaining this and also, very importantly, I think, uh, draws uh, direct links between uh, racial violence, racism, and sedition, those who wish to overthrow yeah. the government. These things, January 6th and abortion, are, believe it or not, tied together. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there is a direct connection between those. And on the subject of, of since I'm doing things out of order, on the subject of... <laughs> On the subject of COVID, uh, this just in, anti-vaxxer Eric Clapton has gotten COVID and has been forced to cancel shows. Oh, look out. Look out. Oh, my mm-hmm. God. Yep. 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 What, yep. what a shock. What All a shock true. right there. All uh, true. Uh, here's the thing. You know what's caused this predicament with COVID at this point where we're going to see multiple infections throughout the year where uh, immunity, natural immunity, vaccinated immunity, it's not. It's entirely irrelevant now, uh, mm-hmm. at least according to scientists in this article. The thing that's caused this, three words, done with COVID. Yeah. That on, is... On that all is, sides. People are all political stripes. Yeah, exactly. As if liberate Michigan, liberate Virginia, liberate uh, Ohio from two years ago, coming from Donald Trump, as though that wasn't bad enough, as though that didn't kill uh, 400,000 people subsequent to it in the United States. If that wasn't enough, it's now this new thing. We just can't do this shit anymore. And it's so discouraging. It's well, so upsetting to me that we cannot achieve these big things anymore because we're fucking lazy. We're fucking entitled. We don't give a shit. We're narcissistic. It's all about our social media brands. And that's mm-hmm. where you get done with COVID. It's a fun hashtag. And- it's catchy. Everyone can repeat it. Yeah, I'm done with COVID. Hashtag done with COVID. That's where this this, this arises and then suddenly we're all behind the eight ball walking into a propeller that we have no idea what's on the other side. We know long right. COVID is on the other side, but we don't know what 
even the longer term side effects might be even beyond long COVID. We've allowed ourselves to be sucked into a vortex that yeah. I don't think can be reversed. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, this isn't the last uh, deadly virus that's going to come no. our way. This is but the beginning. Uh, and yeah. our very survival depends on it. But there is hope. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think uh, the, laziness is indeed a part of the problem. Entitlement and the other things that you listed. Yeah. Uh, but uh, this can be overcome. Mm-hmm. We can turn this around. We can change things by voting. Yeah. It's our only hope. It's our only tool. In addition to writing our lawmakers and and marching, which is very important, demonstrating, doing everything within our legal means, but uh, getting the message out and getting people off the couch uh, to get out and vote. That's how we turn this around. That's how we fix these things. It's really our only viable hope. Yeah, it really is. Whoops, why is that? That's really, really loud. That's the end music is I like it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why it was so loud. Anyway, uh, here's the other thing. Can you believe? Go ahead. I was just going to say, here's the other thing with COVID. We had a situation right before the show where the maintenance guys at our apartment complex were knocking at the door. And I didn't get the door, the door fast enough because I was busy in here. And they started they started walking in without masks and came in without masks, came into our apartment without wearing masks. And, you know, maybe at a certain point, a few weeks ago, but three, four weeks ago, maybe okay. Right now, with rates, yeah. uh, infection rates, hospitalization rates going yeah. up again, just like, what the, what the fuck? We're it's back like, up to 90,000 like, a day. Yeah, it's like the universe wants those of us who haven't had COVID yet to get it. So we're all in the same boat. We all need to be a part of the same fucking well, disaster. They they felt it was okay to come in because the security cameras they've planted in your apartment uh, revealed to them that you weren't having sex at the time. Yeah, and none of my booby traps worked. I mean, I was, <laughs> I, I've was i set up like Indiana Jones-style booby traps throughout the, open, the, the foyer to our apartment. Yes, and, I, we dare them to lift that skull. Yeah, that giant yeah. boulder was impossible to rig up above the door. I know. But, yeah, well, you're very strong, so. I, I have to call some people to fix my booby traps. Okay. <laughs> I, can you believe with everything we've covered, we still have more to talk about? Yes, we do. Uh, there were, it was like a weekend of strokes. It's like a bunch of important Democrats yes. had strokes over the weekend. We're going to talk about that coming up here. Uh, plus, Christopher Steele has weighed in on whether Putin is dying. We're going to talk yeah. about that as well. Good, good. Uh, plus, right now, as we speak, they're having hearings on aliens visiting the Earth, which is because, not happening. Because that is, that is our number one priority. <laughs> yes, uh, indeed. I'm Thank you. I'm actually looking forward to talking about that. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. Plus, uh, along those lines, the dumbest ever Star Trek hot take. <laughs> I'm with you. And shocker, <laughs> it comes from Fox News Channel. Uh, This was one of the dumbest fucking things I've seen all year. I mean, just completely from someone who very obviously has never seen an episode of Star Trek. Certainly not the original Mm -hmm. series or The Next Generation or Voyager or Deep Space Nine. Maybe just the new series, which to me, (laughs) here's controversy for you. It's not real Star Trek. Modern Star Trek, not real Star Trek. I'm just saying. I'm just saying, you can at me on Twitter if you want to. Maybe one exception. We'll talk about it. <laughs> All right. That's on the Shadow Docket, bobseskashow.com. Sign up for $5 a month. See you over there, folks. Bye-bye. Live long and prosper. 